ConnectCloud. Get connected, cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, MetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at MetCloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com. Recently, a friend and former guest of the Vanguard podcast, Luke Swan, passed away at the young age of 39. For me personally, Swanee was a friend, a cricket coach, and a mentor to many players in their cricket development, and someone that had time for anyone, both young and old, to speak about cricket, sailing, the countryside, and the monarchy, who he admired so much. Luke's episode on the podcast is also one of the most listened to and frequently quoted when I've spoken to other guests and our listeners. Luke had an overwhelming sense to help and develop people, and especially kids in their cricket journey from grassroots club cricket right up to professional county players. His role as head of junior cricket programs for the likes of Northamptonshire County Cricket Club, Shropshire Cricket Board and Cricket East allowed him to nurture his amazing skills, but also understand how people tick, as he outlined in his podcast, explained how it's safe to fail and learn from those failures as they help in your development and journey to success. It's really an insightful look at how we can use our failures to help us move forward in our careers and our lives after certain setbacks. I had the pleasure of knowing Luke professionally in his cricket roles and coaching roles at Cricket East, but more importantly for me, I was lucky enough to enjoy many catch-ups at his local pub in Hertfordshire, where we would put the world to rights, or Luke trying to explain the joys of sailing or the developments in his boat restoration projects. On behalf of myself, my family, and everyone at the Vanguard Podcast and MetCloud, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Swan family and all those lucky enough to know Luke and get to spend time with him as he will be sorely missed. Rest in peace, mate. Luke, thanks so much for joining me today on the Vanguard Podcast and welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Scott. Yeah, it's uh, a privilege to, to be on the podcast and uh, very much looking forward to it. Thanks, mate. Look, I, I really appreciate you giving me the time. You know, one of the, one of the things I, I really love when we've spoken, you know, whether it's at a cricket ground or over the phone or whatever, um, I really love the journey that you've had and how you got involved in professional coaching, how professional coaching can be split between business and developing kids and adults. But can you just go back and, and, and tell us a little bit about the journey of how you got into professional coaching and how you ended up at North Ants uh, County Career Club and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it probably sounds like a bit of a cliche, to be honest, but I, I sort of fell into it, really. Um, I, I, uh, I, I got involved playing as a as an 11-year-old at my uh, my local cricket club uh, in Hexton in Hertfordshire and uh, sort of, you know, played up through the age groups there. And then well, I think it was, I was about 17, uh, I think, and I was uh, I was wandering around to the, the cricket club on a Friday night when we had our, our practice. And my coach uh, collared me and said, oh, I, I've got a group of under 10s here and we've got uh, not enough coaches. Could you, could you pitch in and, and give us a hand? And I, and I initially I, I thought well no not really I, I want to want to go and have a have a practice in the nets and all that kind of thing and then obviously um, ended up anyway ended up helping out um, and and just really 
uh, you know, carrying cones and, and whatnot and just supporting in the session. And yeah, just from that, that first session really just uh, found, uh, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't think for one minute that I'd ever make a career out of it at that point, to be be perfectly honest with you. I mean, it was obviously very, very formative years uh, with regards to my career. Um, But uh, I was very fortunate to have a coach, a chap called Gordon Allingham, uh, who was very, very supportive and, and sort of nurturing and, and gave very good advice. Um, and yeah, just, just went from there, really. And I, I, I then a year later uh, went off to university and uh, came back in the summer and, and, and did some coaching at the club. And uh, then when I finished university, uh, I got offered a job uh, by the, uh, for the Bedfordshire Cricket Board as a community sports coach. And that was literally, uh, that was going around primary schools um, with a, a tub of tennis balls and a, and a quick cricket set. Yeah. And, you know, just delivering what was then the, the original Chance to Shine program. Uh, and then from there, uh, I progressed up a little bit um, and started getting involved with the, with the county age group stuff um, and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, one through one way or another, really, um, I, I was uh, obviously I went to university in Northampton, and um, and we we were in the I was in the pub one night with uh, Stephen Crook, who who's a, a good mate of mine, who's a fantastic player for the the county, since retired and, and moved back to Australia. Actually, funnily enough, must be a good um, bloke then. Oh, he's a yeah, top top bloke, mate, top bloke. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and Steve and I were in the pub, and and he he decided uh, that winter that he wasn't going to go back to Australia to play. He was going to stay here. Uh, and one of his jobs was he was going to run the the indoor centre at, at Northampton, the, the, the coaching at the indoor centre, which was just commercial coaching, basically. Yeah. So parents would ring up and they would uh, they'd, they'd book a slot and then a coach would get allocated, et cetera, et cetera. And Steve just said over a beer, he said, do, do, do you fancy having a go? Uh, and um I said, yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll uh, gladly, gladly have a crack at that. And and then from that, really, uh, just progressed then, uh, again, got involved with County Age Group coaching at, at North Ants um, through meeting Phil Rowe and, and David Ripley in and out of the indoor centre. Uh, then got involved with a little bit of the EPP and Academy. And, um yeah, just just went from there really, and in the in those kind of between times, uh, did the the coaching qualifications level two through to four. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so that that's kind of that that's my a very brief overview of my my journey into it really. No, that's great. I, I mean, one of the things that I really want to because there are some people. Um, there's a saying, isn't there? Some people teach and some people learn, or that some people coach and some people play. What what do you think drew you into the coaching side of things? Was it the nurturing side of things? Was it was it the ability of of turning someone's game around? What what was that? I, I don't want to say north star, but what was that? I, I don't know that that pull that took you into coaching. Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Really, um, I I think initially uh, when I was just helping out as a as a club coach and and doing a little bit of uh, of coaching back in Bedfordshire. Um, it was more just something that I, I enjoyed doing, you know, just yeah. and just something that I, I discovered that I, I really enjoyed doing. 
Um, I think when uh, that that kind of uh, and I like your you, you, your descriptor there, the North Star. I, th- I think that mm. kind of moment was. Uh, I was in the indoor centre at, at Northampton, and I was uh, I was in a, a lane doing some coaching next to um, a, a, uh, one of the other coaches, and uh, I was just. Uh, I'd finished my session and I was just sat on the bowling machine looking over at what this coach was doing. And I just found it absolutely fascinating, Scott, the way he was communicating with the player, uh, the way the player was interacting with, with the coach and, you know, just the, uh, the support and the clear kind of development that was going on with, within that, that small session. And yeah, I just found it absolutely fascinating. And then, and then through that, um, going on to the level three coaching qualification, and because uh, you know the, the coaching qualifications in this country are, are, are split slightly. You've got level one and two, uh, and the old two plus, which are done kind of uh, internally at, at the mm-hmm. counties, right. and then three and four, which are run by the ECB. Gotcha. So. When you when you go on to the level three, you 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 then you go away and and, and uh, attend modules and whatnot at, at Derby County Cricket Club, and um, for the first time, um, you know, walking into the room on that course and having the likes of uh, crikey, I mean, Alex Tudor was on on my course, Geraint Jones was on my course, wow. and all these guys, and and I, I was sort of sat there thinking. Um, Crikey! Well, firstly, what am I doing here? <laughs> and secondly, um, the the kind of the next thing was right. You've got guys in here that have played loads of Test cricket, let alone county cricket, and this is a fantastic learning opportunity. And then watching how coach educators and those guys worked and how they they interacted and communicated, I just found it absolutely fascinating. Uh, and it was something that I at that point. It was right. Okay, I could probably look at making a career out of this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This yeah. kind of when it started to get a bit more kind of serious in terms of this maybe isn't just a hobby anymore. This is this is looking more and more like it, it could develop into a a job of sorts. So I, I think that's kind of initially what drew me to it, and then that sort of catalyst for wanting to go further in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make it makes perfect sense. Was there was there any fundamentals during those early days that you thought, you know, this is what makes a good coach, in my opinion? Like, were there were there were there key elements when you looked across it? You know, when you when you watch Gordon at Hexton, or when you you know listened to David and Phil at Northampton, or you know you saw Alex Tudor and Geraint Jones at, at these other events. Did you, did, was there any? common denominator that that you thought that's what makes a good coach um yeah i i think that the sort of the, the two that probably uh well there's obviously a lot more than two but the 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 initial ones that stood out for me uh, uh sort of up front really were the observation and the listening skills mm-hmm. which are, are, are required and in a sport where um, the, the coaching tendencies early on tend to be a bit tell, 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 uh, it, which is quite an easy trap to fall into, whether that's through role justification or whether you just feel that you've got to impart knowledge. 
and that that's something that the tell approach was something i was never very comfortable with to be honest with you and i, I remember when i did my my level two uh course one of the bits of feedback i got was um you know you're organized you, you sort of you know you've um you're prepared uh but you're not talking enough right and I, and i i sort of went away with that and i thought right okay gotta talk more yeah, I've got to, I've got to be more of a presence and all this sort of thing. So, yeah. uh, in the preceding sessions, as you do as a very young, naive coach, uh, you go into sessions and you try and do something that you're not really very naturally good at doing. And in my case, that was, you know, talking a lot. And, and I, I got to the point there where I, I just thought, you know, this, this isn't working, you know, that this is, this is not how, uh, these are not the fun, not a fundamental that I, I feel, uh, it is particularly something that I'm 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 that good at. And then, mm-hmm. well, funny enough, when I went on to the went on to the level three, um, one of the first bits of feedback you, you have to do back back then you had to do mock assessments and all and yep. all sorts over the course of the year of the course. And one of the bits of feedback I, I got fairly consistently was um, your observational skills and your listening skills are, are, are pretty good. Uh, and you don't talk too much, which is which is a good thing. Yeah. And I, I'm there then thinking, right, hang on a minute. I, I get told on my level two that I'm not talking enough, and now I I'm being told on the on the higher course that that's actually a bit of a strength. So from that, I think the learning from that was very much um, the 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 fundamentals that you you sort of identify that you uh, whether that whether you resonate with them or whether it's just something that you do naturally i think it's important that that you sort of you focus on those i mean we we've obviously we we there, there are times in coaching when we've got to operate across the spectrum yeah. and uh, and you, you one day you've got to be far more vocal than you have the next day uh, so for example if you, if you're working with a pro um, there can be far less, generally far less input uh, than if you're working with a, an EPP under 14 or 15 player for obvious reasons. Um, so yeah, the, the, definitely the, the, the observation and listening um, are, are definitely two things that, that sit at the top of my coaching philosophy. And uh, again, I, I don't know whether that's because they came naturally to me in my formative years as a coach I, I have no idea um you know like i said initially uh, i was i i was under the impression that they that it wasn't necessarily a good thing but then as i've gone up the ladder a little bit further and realized actually that that's um a strength rather rather than something that i was i wasn't particularly good at so yeah i guess i guess those are the key fundamentals that i i, I stick to i think it's a perfect segue into a comment that i've just made here and that is are elements of coaching relevant to take into business and management? And I think you've just answered that quite beautifully, actually. And that is the whole, you know, when you when you go into enterprise or you go into business and management, the whole basis of a good manager is someone that can listen, observe, and then communicate, as opposed to the other way around. And you know, that's the way I see it. How would you see it? I mean, you've had you've had experience in 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 enterprise, you know, dealing with um, corporates, and you know, through your job as a coach. Um, do you think that's a that's a fair enough comment? Oh, absolutely. I, I think those those uh, that those skills are, are remarkably transferable. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, as as an example, I mean, when I started my current role, 
um, it, it was a, a, a brand new role, really. It was something that had not been done before, like a, a, a merger between a, 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 a national county and a first-class county and a partnership. And I, I, I literally just uh, spent the first four months going from session to session, meeting to meeting, um, with my notepad and ju- just literally watching and observing um, as as much as I could uh, and uh, really trying to learn about the environment and the people within it. Um, and I, I think wh- whether you're in a business environment or a corporate environment or a sports environment, I, I think th- those principles are very, very relevant because um, if you're going to successfully manage people, uh, first of all, you need to learn about them and you need to understand them. You need to understand how they learn, what makes them tick, what their motivations are. And I, I think uh, in whatever whatever industry you're in, um, you know, talking at people isn't necessarily the most productive way of doing that as much as, um, you know, I, I call them golden questions. You know, yeah. if you have an opportunity to ask someone a golden question and learn about them, um, then you're going to, uh, I think, probably be far more effective in a managerial role than if you just go in all guns blazing and try and reinvent the wheel, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I think they're, they're incredibly transferable. And um, certainly from a leadership perspective, um, I, I think the, 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 the commonalities between sports and, uh, and the business industry are, are massive, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's coming more and more relevant now too, isn't it? You know, there's more sports analogies in business meetings than I think that I've ever heard of in my life. Um, you know, half of them is probably from me, by the way. But um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I think I think it's a fair point. You know, it's all about um, you know most sales leaders that I speak to, peers, you know, um, mentors, whatever all look for that commonality being, you know, someone that's played sport, always, always a CV goes to the top of the pile if they've played sport at a pretty high level because that means – or a team sport at a pretty high level because that means they can communicate. They know how to work as a team. They know how to work in harmony with people they may not get on with outside of that team, um, but they have the ability of adapting to ensure that they get the best out of everyone um, and, and have a commonality, which is which is winning the winning the game or, or winning the deal or whatever. So um, I think there's a lot of skills there. The other thing that you really made a good point on was – the ability of coming in as a new manager and observing, you know, I've never seen a manager that's come in and changed things in two weeks last longer than a year, yet I've seen so many people and one of my really good mentors, Gary, I remember when he first came into the company I was with, came in and observed for the first quarter and everyone's going, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden he's turned the company around. We grew through 300%. So yeah. um, I, I think that's a really good point and it's it's a really, really good point to make from a sporting analogy as well as a business one. Um, one of the things I really wanted to tack into is that you you and I have known each other now for a couple of years and, you know, we talk about life skills and we talk about development of, of youth cricketers. Um, but, you know, uniquely you and I talk about management and just general life skills and, and development of individuals as opposed to just cricket players. Um, and we we spoke about a presentation you did um you know, in a sports environment, but then you were asked to do this in a corporate environment, all about failure and that being an essential part of development. And I couldn't agree more. You know, every person that I've had on this podcast has spoken about failing being an important part of the development to, to, to have made them where they are today. 
Could you give us a, a, an overview of that, of the fundamentals of that presentation? Obviously, we haven't got time to go in the whole lot here um, because I think it's brilliant and I think everyone should know about um, failure being a, you know, a, a fundamental and an essential part of development. Could you just run through that presentation you know, in, a, in a quick overview for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the sort of the inspiration from it um, that dates back a long time, to, to be honest with you, Scott. It, Great, it was, yeah. Um, my my housemaster at school um, w- was uh, way ahead of his time um, in terms of uh, encouraging people to understand that that you know failure is essentially you know an essential part of development. In 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 his case, he was a, he was a sports master, so you know he, yeah. he, his context was sport. Um, and I, I always remember his his saying, "You don't learn a lot from winning the race." And obviously, to, to a, a, a schoolboy, that that doesn't mean a, a great deal. And then you <laughs> you you move yeah, you move into into the sports industry as a, as a as a coach or player or, or whatever. Um, and um, you you actually realise, or I realise certainly how prevalent that actually was. Um, cricket by nature. I mean, we use cricket as an example. Cricket by nature is is famous as a sport where you fail more times than you succeed, and that that's what makes it such a great sport. Absolutely, because it's yeah, it's so challenging. So um, the the presentation itself um, came about essentially from working in a lot of coaching environments where I'd, I'd witnessed players being you know chastised for for failing or losing and in in a a multitude of different contexts uh and what one of these was uh through uh parental backlash you know through coaches uh wanting to win games and uh, and you know to justify roles and all this sort of thing and I think that that was always nearly always predicated by lack of understanding, which is obviously mm-hmm. no one's fault. Yeah. So going into it and doing a bit of research into it, you know, I, I look back at my journey. I mean, I, I, I can't remember. I wrote this presentation about three or four years ago now, but I, 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 I sort of went back and looked at, looked at my journey and, you know, hand on heart, and I genuinely mean this, that this isn't just a, 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 a an off-the-cuff uh, comment but I've I've failed more times than most people have tried in, in what sure. I do, right? Uh, yep. And I, I genuinely mean that. But although failing at the time isn't a particularly nice thing, uh, what you do learn through experience is that uh, it's a fantastic learning opportunity and an opportunity to develop. So the the, the idea of the uh, sort of that presentation initially was to sort of highlight that really uh, and we you know we're we're we sort of uh I, I think failure certainly um in youth sports uh is is seen as a very negative thing you know because you've got to win the game you've got to score runs you've got to take wickets and all this yeah, sort of thing of course. but yep. the, the fact the fact is I think if you understand that failure is a learning opportunity and that uh, you are going to fail more times than you're going to succeed in the context of cricket, and I know that's very relevant for for other industries as well and other environments, then you're arming yourself with um, a a far better battery of ammunition, for want of a better descriptor, to actually then cope and deal with failure. 
And I think the the real important thing is that we install that into our youngsters from you know almost the word go, whether that be from the under tens. Uh, you know, all the way through because crikey, I mean, they, they have enough battles as it is, you know, Absolutely. whether it's through selection, deselection. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, if they get into a county setup, for example, these young players, you know, then the more uh, outside pressures obviously come with that. So I, th- I think the, yeah, the, just the, the overall view, really, that uh, understanding that failure is 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 essential if you're going to learn. And, that, and that's really, really important. And we all have different experiences of failure, obviously. But of more course. often than not, if if you can, I, th- I think if you can develop a strategy whereby you cope with failure uh, and you learn from failure, you're you're standing yourself in a pretty good stead. And that that essentially is what what the presentation is about. If data had a sound, it could be this. The sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business. MetCloud. Get connected. Cyber safe. And and the ability of challenging yourself to the point of failure is a really key aspect of that presentation, um, which I, I love. And that is, you know, you've got to learn to push yourself to that point of failure to be able to then understand where the where the where the success point is, so you know how to throttle back to be more successful, or to push yourself, push yourself, push yourself to that point of value, which is always going to get you better in the long run, anyway, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much, um, the, uh, it's only by pushing oneself, to, you know, beyond all in, in a lot of cases, beyond your current skill level that you learn what you need to do to, to, to achieve the next level. For sure. Um, and I, I think the, the key element to coaching here, whether it be business or, or sports, is that um, you know we create a, a high challenge, high support environment whereby um, people are, you know, players or, or, or whatever, yeah. are encouraged to understand that it's in in that particular instance, it's safe to fail and yep. it's safe to go in and, and, and experiment and push yourself um, because in the end of the day, again to use a cricket context. Um, you don't learn a great deal by going on a on a bowling machine and hitting sixty five mile an hour half volleys. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it it may give you a feel good factor, and it, it you know you may feel the ball coming out of the middle of the bat regularly. But the fact is, um, if you go in and you stick it on seventy five miles an hour back of a length, um, with you're going to learn far more in terms of how to deal with with tough bowling, which is essentially if you want to get to the next level as a cricket yep. example, that's what you're going to have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's fair to say too, and I, I've witnessed this over the last couple of years too, the the um, individuals, whether they be young cricketers or older cricketers, um, the ones that have had those setbacks and had the ability of pushing themselves at a higher level are normally the ones that have succeeded 
later on in the season or into the next season because they've 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 learnt to um, cope with that failure. They've learnt to understand from that failure and then take those lessons and learnings into the back part of the season or the next season to actually become better players or or certainly learn more about their game as well. Um, and I, I I think that's a, a fantastic um, scenario. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, lesson that, that that people can learn but then in turn pushing that into the business environment people that you know want to go after that big whale of a deal or you know want to go after the deal that everyone says you're never going to get it's it's being able to actually push that and learn from those setbacks that are going to take you and have those learnings for the next time you go after those bigger opportunities and i think that's really important yeah um, absolutely I mean, I, I, sorry go on. On. no 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 you go uh, yeah, no. I was I was just going to say the 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 um, the again in a, a sporting context, I think that's pretty much the holy grail of of elite development. Really, um, you know, see it time and time again over the years, where players who uh, experience failure early on and experience setbacks, whether that's through uh, you know uh, maturation, through being uh, put in environments that they're not quite strong enough for at that point. Um, they tend to be the players who then develop strategies and learn to overcome that failure. Yeah, and there's there's several ex- several examples at the moment um, of players that have just graduated from our academy mm-hmm. um, who ha- have have done just that uh, and have you know not necessarily been the most prolific. Uh, players in their formative years um, as 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 youth cricketers, yep. but because they learn to overcome setbacks and they learn to overcome failure, and they develop those strategies early on, they were then able to adapt those and uh, utilize those strategies as they then went through the the uh, the higher higher ranks of the pathway, and that they. Uh, I'd say that there's, it's no coincidence that those are the guys who, who, who generally go on to succeed. Yeah, it's funny because I look at my representative cricket when I was a kid and it was always the kids that were prolific run scorers or, or the prolific bowlers that got so many wickets, yet they never really accounted to anything. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. What I'm saying there is they ended up being average park cricketers, whereas in really early on in the juniors, they were actually guns. Um, but the ones yeah, that were av- yeah. actually average guns turned out to be phenomenal grade cricketers or in turn state and, and international cricketers because they had that ability of, of, of understanding what their game is, pushing themselves to that point of failure and and, and knowing how to, to handle that that failure development. I think that's, I think that's oh, really absolutely. important. Yep. And I think coaches now are better equipped to deal with that too. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yep. The, I, th- I think the, <clears throat> we, we speak, uh, when we funny enough on, on Saturday, we've, uh, tomorrow we, we've got a coach education thing at, uh, over in Huntingdon. And, um, I, I think the, what, what, one of the, the, the most prolific points that I think I, I draw back to when talking to, new up and coming coaches is the whole, um, you know, winning, winning a game doesn't necessarily, or or it very rarely justify your role as a coach, Mm. um, developing, being a a player development support, uh, mechanism for once again, for once of a better word, um, is far, far more important because, 
Um, if you're uh, supporting these guys in their development and again helping them to to understand that um, you know failure is isn't isn't a negative thing, uh, and for you as a coach, um, also understanding that if your players go out and lose a game the chances are they're going to learn far more from that than they are if they just go and steamroller aside. So I, I think that that's a really important point to remember. And, um, you know, the, our, our, our main role early on certainly is is very much that player development-centric role. Um, yeah. And if you go and win a few games of cricket, fantastic. You know, brilliant. You know, that, that's Absolutely. the feel-good factor. Uh, but it's, it's, it's having those priorities in place, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and and as we keep saying here, you know, we can interchange the word of coach to manager and the player to staff. And, and it's such, it's such, um, uh, you know, a, a great story for any young manager or senior manager, even, you know, someone my age, for instance, there's so many things you can take out of this conversation that you can take into the business environment. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You can almost cookie cutter it. No, no problem whatsoever. Mm. Um, there's a there's a term in the in the presentation that I love. I just love this term, and it's called and and you've coined it failure to success. It's almost like a strategy or a a journey. But can you give me some examples of why that you know why you think that resonates with everyone? Because I think it's a fantastic saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, again, um, th- that's this sort of came from. Uh, you know, I was I was I was working uh, working as head of cricket at a, at a school in Shropshire at the time, and um, uh, I think it's establishing the understanding is absolutely key of of, of what the failure to success connotation implies. Um, we we grow up in an education system in this country whereby um, you know failure is 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 a negative connotation and a very very broad example here would be you fail your GCSEs um, you you can't go on and do A levels and, and stuff like that now I know there's a lot more to it than that but the general gist is um, that that's how you're judged you know that that's how your your success is judged. Um, however, I think if you flip it on its head. And you focus on failure as being just another means of learning. So, you know, you've, you've got seminars, you've got lessons, you've got coaching sessions, et cetera, et cetera. They're all means of learning. Um, and failure is just another one of those. Yeah. And um, learning also that it's something not to be frightened of. I think that's very, very important because it, particularly, I think, in a, <clears throat> in a target-driven business environment or a sport environment, um, you know, stats tend to tend to speak volumes as much as we don't want them to, but they they do. That's a fact of life. Yeah. And um, if those stats maybe aren't where they need to be, then that that whole fear of failure thing can really kick in. And um, yeah, I I, I forget who says this, uh, who said this quote, but I, I love it. And it, it's um, uh, a quote that says, "Fail fail your way to success." And I just think that's a fantastic thing to remember. Um, you know, you you, uh, you, you just uh, listen to people like Michael Jordan and 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 guys like that. You know, um, he would uh, he would fail over and over again. He would miss over and over again, but eventually he'd practice so hard that he would make the shot. Yeah, and and, and you know, and all this this this, this kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I I, th- I think the it's developing the understanding of what failure to success looks like. 
um, and understanding that it's it's a very individual thing um, and what that means to you. You know, so how, how can you how can you essentially fail your way to success if that's what it takes? Yeah, no, it means it means a lot, and you know, I think. Um... I understand what you're saying. I think Michael Jordan does quote it a lot, doesn't he? Um, saying, you know, I've missed, what do you say? I missed 20,000 hoops or something, but I made yeah. 17,000. Yeah, yeah. It was those 17,000 that made the final, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, um, and what would have happened if I hadn't have tried? What would have happened if I hadn't Absolutely. have made those shots? You know, so it's it's that kind of connotation. I think everyone can take that into whatever uh, area of life they can they want to take it in. Um I've got a final question here that I want to go into before we go into our quick fire three at the end. Um, and, and I think it's, it, it brings this whole um, failure to success and, and, and failure being that essential part of development full circle. Is there anything we can do to train ourselves to react or pivot to success either during or after a failure? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, again, um, I, I believe this is this is very dependent on the individual because yeah, of um, course, the, uh, how uh, how people react to failure it varies enormously, and that that's one thing. When I when I when I did this bit of research um, uh, from you know uh, taking a cross section of youth sports people, teachers, and business people. Um, how people reacted uh, uh, was was incredibly individual. So I, I think that, mm-hmm. that that's one generic that, that's one generic point. Um, the second generic point would be, um, however, no matter how you react, I think always look for the positive, because um, if you look hard enough, you you will find one because there's always a positive. Um, grab hold of it, don't let it go, because that can be your your footing for your really strong foundation um, of whether that's developing a strategy to overcome your next failure, whether it's understanding uh, that what you did that this time around maybe wasn't quite good enough for that level, but you now know, right, this is what I need to do to to be good enough next time. Um, but but you know, again, focusing on the positive, so just grabbing hold of that positive. Um, and also, I think developing an understanding of what success looks like is also important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, one person's success can look very different from another person's, even if you're very similar and you work in the same industry. Uh, success can, can mean very different things. And one thing we talk an awful lot about is um, if you can walk out of a room uh, with that one small golden learning that you didn't have when you walked in, Mm. Uh, that can be as powerful as a promotion or a, or a headhunt or something like that, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah d- developing an understanding of what success looks like to you uh, and making sure that um, no matter how tough the situation, or, always look for the positive because because that that's the thing that's going to pull you through. I think that's a great point. That's a really good point to, to 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 end this part of the podcast on. The one thing I will say from my experience too, that success looks differently as you progress, either in your career or as you get older as well. Success does absolutely your your perception of success, as you say, is quite different to anyone else's. Um, when I say quite different, it could be mildly different or it could be massively different. But also, as you get older. Um, and I can say this as I'm old, um, but as you do get older, your 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 success criteria massively massively changes. For instance, you know, from a cricket terminology, 
you know, before my son played cricket, it'd be all about me making hundreds or me making, you know, or, or the team winning and stuff like that. Now I don't care if I go out and bat for a hundred balls and make five runs, but if I'm batting, batting down the other end of my son, to me, that's success. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, no, so that's, that's, I, I think that's, that's a massive point. Absolutely. No, I love it. And, and, and just finally on that, the other success to that is too, is if I'm down the other end, I'm watching all the kids come through and I can help them progress in their, in their, whether it's their career, whether it's in their enjoyment of the game or in a business sense, I'm down the other end managing, mentoring or leading uh, a team and seeing their success. And, and that to me, as I've got older, seeing other people's success for me is the success I get now. It's not my own yeah. personal success. It's about the development of others, and I, I really enjoy that. And, and I know you're similar to that as well. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I think that's one of the, the key motivators for, for for being a coach, really. You know, I, yeah, I really do. I, I think it's, um, you know, that's something definitely to to uh, to, to focus on and, and a, a definite motivator, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Mate, this has been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So many people and so many listeners are going to get so much out of this. Um, the analogy between professional sports mentality and a professional in business, whether it's sales, marketing, you know, content creating, whatever, I, whatever you do, there are so many things here. We all fail and we all succeed. And it's taking the, the the lessons from this podcast that I I think a lot of people will get out of. So thanks so much for 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 going through that presentation. I'm sure uh, if people are interested to learn more about this, tell them I, I want people to contact me, and you know I can get you in touch with Luke because I think it's a it's a wonderful wonderful story and um uh, and lesson that everyone can learn from. Luke, I'm going to put you on the spot here for three more questions, um, and these are just right, very okay. quick fire questions. <laughs> Um, don't be worried. They're all, they're all okay. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I, uh, you know, I love this question because I'm a lot, I'm, I'm a lot further past 20 than you are. Um, but what do you wish you knew at 20 that you do now? Right. Um, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say off the cuff, uh, listen to everyone, but filter what advice you act upon. I think that that would be, if I was, if I if I was yeah if I was to say something to my twenty year old self, uh, listen to everyone, but but filter what you actually act upon and what you actually impart. I think yeah that'd be it. I love that. I love that. That that's really good. That's a really good one. What about um, you know? I know you're in a job that you absolutely adore and love to do, but what is your dream job and why? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, the one I've got would be pretty close to it. Um, yeah. to, to be honest, uh, for, for That's the reasons out, that, by the that way. we've just discussed, that is a cop out. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw a cur- I'll throw a curveball in. Um, Go on. When I when I finish with cricket, um, it would be something to do with uh, you know the countryside, um, estate management, something like that. You know a. a, a a managerial, maybe leadership role within that environment is something I'm very, very passionate about. And again, yep. uh, something that I think the skills that uh, I could take from from cricket um, would be would be very transferable. So, um, yeah, something I'm equally passionate about. A very different environment, obviously, and a, a, a uh, dealing with a, a, a very, very diverse range of of individuals. But yeah, that, mm-hmm. that would be. Uh, I, I guess that would be it. Yeah. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Personally, I thought you were going to come up with America's Cup captain because I know how much you're into your sailing, and I thought that would have been it. But oh, yeah. uh, no, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for another day. Um, and finally, yeah. I, I I want to ask you this one. Um, it's one that I have, um, and it's you know, it's a really I love this question. Is is there one quote or methodology you live by or take into everything you do? Um, yes. In short, there, there is. And yep. I'm glad you asked this one because I, I, I can actually answer this one properly. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, um, yeah, it's as simple as basically just just be humble because no matter yep. how good you become at what you do, there's always someone more powerful. Absolutely. And I, and I think if you if you remember that, uh, some of the some of the the, the the best coaches and players that I, I've had the pleasure of sharing an environment with, you know, international players and coaches mm-hmm. um, are generally very, very humble people, very down to earth people. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, you can become unbelievably good at what you do, but there will always be someone better. So yeah, yeah that, that would be my, the, the thing that I, I sort of, that that's my, my methodolo- methodology that I would, uh, that I would stick by. I think that's a good one. I think most of the um, world-class individuals that we've met along the way, whether they be cricketers or Olympians or whatever, the best ones and the and and the most successful ones are normally the ones that are most humble. I agree with you. Yeah, Luke, absolutely, absolutely. Luke, I want to thank you so much for your time this morning. We've um, we've covered a lot, um, and and certainly we've covered a topic that I think is so relevant to students sports people, business people, um, everyone, everyone can can really learn from the conversation we've had today. We could dig so much deeper. I want to thank you very much for your time and 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 for sharing this with us. And, um, you know, I wish you all the very best for uh, going into the winter session with North Hants and, uh, and Division One in 2022. And, um, and hopefully they, hopefully they have a good, uh, a good season next year. No, that's brilliant, and uh, yeah, th- thank you very much for having having me on the podcast, Scott. It's uh, f- fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening to this very special episode of the Vanguard Podcast. Thank you and goodbye, Luke. We'll miss you.